0: right uh we're here again uh, happy uh new year for everybody that's joining us today at jazz matters we have uh of course uh co-host Vaughn Coulter from jazz beats radio and we'll also be joined with Davey Burks the Eric- uh, saxophone player uh that uh I think is from Atlanta area and I know he's been here a long time so he should have a <laughs> lot of his- he should have a lot of history here uh, that's right also um Uh, we want you to go ahead and uh, go to uh, Yes Jazz Matters and subscribe uh, to the podcast and also like and tell your friends about it. We'll be talking about all things jazz here in the city of Atlanta. And, uh, Davey, uh, we want to go ahead and kick it off to where, uh, for all the people that don't know you, uh, can you just let us know uh, how you got into this business? Uh, Exactly, um, you know, what really... uh, directed you to the, to the okay.
1: music industry, yeah. Oh, oh, oh ab- ab- absolutely, that's great. Well, first of all, I started playing music when I was in the uh, fourth grade. And uh, I went to Mary McLeod Elementary School here in Atlanta. And a funny thing, I can remember the day when the band director came in to the classroom and asked who wanted to play in the band. So naturally, I wanted to play in the band because I felt like that was a way for me to not do enough homework or anything like that. <laughs> and uh, so I joined the band and he said, well, well, we're going to be playing. Well, we're going to, everybody need to meet the next day. And I think maybe that was on a Wednesday or a Thursday or something like that. So. He introduced me to the horn. Actually, he introduced me to baritone because everybody else had taken all the other horns. The trombones, he said my arms wasn't long enough. Uh, the tuba, he said that was too big. So the only thing that was left was really the baritone. And uh, that was a brass instrument. I wasn't interested in, in baritone. I actually wanted to play saxophone, but I thought the saxophone was a treble clef. I did not know because I didn't know anything about music. And come to find out, the band director is the great Dub Hudson, uh, James Dub Hudson. He the one introduced me to the horn. And um, during that time, I noticed like every week, uh, big time acts would come here to Atlanta, such as The Temptation, Um, uh, we had um, uh, Smokey Robinson, we, we, we had uh, uh, the guy Lou Rawls, Buttermilk Bottom, the Four Top Temptation. And I noticed he always on Fridays to say, Hey, I got to go play with these people. But I couldn't understand who he was. I didn't know who he was. And come to find wow. out, he was, is a great saxophone player. And I used to ask him, I said, How do you know what to play? I couldn't understand how can <laughs> you play with all these different folks and, 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 and play the music. I, I just couldn't understand that. But to make a long story short, you know, after shortly thereafter, uh during the time when I got to the fifth grade, I started taking private lessons from Doug Hudson. And um and the rest is pretty much history after that. Um once I left elementary school, I attended uh, Mary McLeod Elementary School here in Atlanta also. Um I'm sorry, John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy Middle School, I'm sorry. And I played in the band there. And shortly thereafter, uh, once I graduated from middle school, I went to Booker T. Washington High School. Uh, The band director was uh, Bobby G. Jordan. Um, But one thing I didn't know, we didn't have a jazz band at that time. But the guy that wrote the marching band music was Tommy Stewart, the piano player for Lou Rawls. I I had no clue Hmm. that 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 was him. And he wrote all the music. So we didn't actually get a jazz band until 1979. 1979, uh, Washington High got a jazz band. And that's when I played my first Atlanta Jazz Festival. And I played Atlanta Jazz Festival in 1979. And um, we needed a trumpet player. We couldn't find, we needed a trumpet player that could really play. And I had no clue. Now the guy by the name of Eddie Davis, I've had come to find out later on that him, him and I was related. And uh, so they got Eddie Davis to come over and play, and and everything. Yes, it's history, man. I tell you, man, we uh, did the Atlanta Jazz Festival, and I think I've probably played fifteen Atlanta Jazz Festivals since that since that time. I also, my first professional gig was at age 16. Um, Sonny Stick came to town. I had just did the Jazz Festival, and uh, Sonny Stick came to town. He was playing at a place called Maxi in the Omni International Hotel. It had an ice skate and it also had a club called Maxi. And Sonny Stick was playing there. And a guy came to my mom's house, because back then we did not have cell phones. We didn't have beepers. We didn't have anything like that. So the guy asked my mom, could I come down there to the club, to Max and the Omni, and I did. Went down there, and Sonny Stick actually let me sit in with him. And, um, and hey, I took off right after that, man. So now,
0: when doing that after after the fact, and you got a chance to sit in with Sonny, so it's obvious at that point, or before that point, you really didn't know a lot about Sonny. So what did you learn setting in with uh, Sonny at that point?
1: Well, I, I, that, that, that's a great question because I didn't know a lot about Sonny, but I had studied a lot of Parker and stuff like that. Charlie Parker, which I couldn't play. You know, you're trying to play all the licks that Parker played. You're never going to get that stuff. I didn't really know about Sonny Stick, but uh, something went in the back of my mind. I know I've heard him. But when I sat in with him, he made it so easy for me because at that time I did not have a whole lot, lot of skills under my belt. But he made it easy for me by he said, okay, well, we'll come on. He said, okay, well, I want you to play this. I want you to play this. He'll come up with a 12-bar blue. And the funny thing about it, he never did do anything with the two five seven. Everything he did was a one-four-five. He did like the blues for me. He was making it easy for me because I I still was a high school kid. Right. And so it kind of made it easy for me. Well well the other thing that probably uh,
0: maybe you had caught on to it was uh, one of your instructor, Doug Hudson. He uh I'm I'm pretty sure if you really, you know, had gotten into him at that early of an age, right that stuff would probably become easy because Dub was already there. I mean you yeah, know, as a, as as a musician, he in my opinion, yeah, this is my opinion. Right, uh, Sonny Stitt had the record deal. Dove didn't. Right. Oh, uh,
1: absolutely.
0: But the talent was definitely on equal footing. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Very much so. And 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 also, uh, you know, uh, you uh, mentioned Eddie Davis, which yeah. uh, which was another uh, great Atlanta musician. And uh, I met Eddie when he was relatively young. But the thing is, he had so much potential uh, to be you know, I'm saying probably one of the best out there. And he's even though he's still playing, uh, right. the thing is um, those guys, if you were around those guys at that time, you had no choice but to pick up on what they were doing. Right. And they were already miles ahead of, of, of a whole lot of people. Right. You know, You're right about that. So, so also when you, uh, when you uh, uh, talk about – Atlanta musicians and that's a good thing because you can give us a lot more insight uh right. simply because you you know you're from here right and, and you and you pretty much know the the cream of the crop so to say right uh there are other musicians I know that cross your path that you've learned a lot
1: from can you give us some of those names uh some of the names um one in particular that I, I really want to mention and that was uh Um, the late, great Seal Austin. Seal Austin had the gig Mm -hmm, at the Carousel mm -hmm. Lounge at Pastor Brother Hotel. Seal Austin kind of took me under his wing, although I still was taking private lessons for Doug Doug Hudson. But Still Austin took me under his wing. And I would go sit in with Seal Austin like on Friday and Saturday night at the Carousel Lounge. Although the Carousel Lounge, for people who don't know, that's the Pascal Brother Hotel. That was two brothers that owned mm-hmm. Pasco Brother Hotel. And uh, during that right. time, uh, he would let me come and sit in and get my skills up. And I never knew that when Seal passed that I was going to take the gig. But I took the gig at Pascal Brother Hotel, the Carousel Lounge, during that time, shortly thereafter. And I had cats like uh, maybe Rolando. That was a guitar player named Rolando Pomfret. Played his guitar real high, very high. He played his guitar. I had a a keyboard player, uh, organ player. His name was Josh Seabrooks. I had Josh Seabrooks on organ. And I had a a drummer uh, by the name of Dan Whitner. Dan Whitner was my drummer. And uh, I guess we had the gig for almost a year, maybe a a year and and a half, something like that. But during that time, you know, I ran into a lot of musicians and, and, and one musician particular that used to come in and he just scares the boots off me, and that was uh, Rod, Smith. Right. Rod Smith. Rod would Smith would never, he okay. would come to my gig, but he would not take his horn out. <laughs> he would just sit there, so I had to be careful what I played, because now, you know, I'm <laughs> under the bus. Right. You know, <laughs> and that's the way I felt about things, you know. And, uh, you know, being here in Atlanta, man, you know, like, you know, like I said, I don't run across a lot of musicians. Uh, Layman Jackson, uh, John Robinson. Um, Whoo, man, it's, it's just, the list is going on and on. You know, yeah. I play with a lot of musicians. Even, even Mr. Edwin Williams. Oh, yeah, I figured uh, I played with him also. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, I also want to, uh, now, being, uh, you know, we're stuck in this issue that we're in. Uh, and everything. So, actually, uh, do you, are you working on something uh, you know different, or that you can come out with uh, if this thing lifts anytime? You know, well, this
1: well I, I I I'm glad you asked that question because I am working on some material, and but right now I'm just trying to get all the melody lines down, and then I'm going to incorporate uh, piano players to come in to to lay everything down from the the to course. Uh But I. During the pandemic I'm still working actually. I just did I did New Year's Eve down in Columbus, Georgia, and uh this past Saturday uh I did two shows at St. James Live. So I'm just kinda still working a little bit. Well that's cool,
0: man, because you're about the second person in, in these two days that tell me that they are working and they're the only two in America that I know that are <laughs> you know, doing this whole thing, you know. And, yeah. Uh, but uh for the most part, I know that um, there's a lot of uh, uh, um, musicians around. Are you pretty much going to use the format uh, smooth jazz? Are you going straight ahead, or how are you going on this project? Well,
1: well it, 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 that's a good question because I love to play straight ahead. I love to play straight ahead, but sometimes the market doesn't dictate for you to play straight ahead because a lot of, uh, financially. It won't allow you to. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you right. get at, unless you get to the right venue. So sometimes you have to alter what you do. Although I love straight ahead, I love it, but sometimes I have to go contemporary just to make things work for me. I mean, because I, I love, because a lot of your, a lot of your vocalists and uh, female vocalists and male vocalists that's out there now. They pretty much is not doing a whole lot of straight ahead. So when you playing behind them, you playing Chardonnay stuff, you playing this and you playing that. It's a lot of it's a lot of contemporary stuff. So, so Vaughn,
2: you want to weigh in on this? Yeah, I was gonna say, um, man, what a life you've you you you've been involved with. And you know, I, when you said Sonny Stid a second ago, I remember a friend of mine when I was in high school. And his he had a record collection out of this world. His dad had like close to maybe 12,000 albums, <laughs> and all of them were jazz. Yeah. And he would always be bragging to me about Sonny Stitt. Yeah. And <laughs> I finally got over to his house and listened to this man, and it was like, oh, I mean, I thought Bird was the only one that could do that, what, what Sonny Correct. Stitt was doing. <laughs> oh, yeah. A- and, absolutely. Uh, so, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just you know, and and that type of influence on your life, right I got to admit, that that's an incredible step to take at such an early age to right. be alongside Sonny Stitt. Like right. that. and uh, you know, um hats off to you, brother. I mean, you know, that's that's an amazing step to take. <laughs> I right. Mean, I can imagine the conversation you had with him.
1: Okay, Davey, where
2: you going, baby?
1: Oh, I this, is that. The thing, this, this is what Sonny Stick signed for me during that year with okay. his signature on it. Oh, all right. That's what, that's okay. what Sonny Stick gave me. He signed oh, that for me wow. when I played with him.
0: Well, that's cool. You immortalized wow. it in plastic. That's great.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. So uh, so like, uh, as far as um, the way you see uh, the, the, the contemporary stuff now that's being played, and now you know you there's another generation of musicians out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you would tell them, especially the younger guys that are, don't have the models that you have, like Sonic Stick and so forth? What right. would you tell them that
1: they could they should you know be doing or, or looking at you know to improve what they're doing? Well, I, I think it's important that the, that the younger musician, uh, the younger vocalist, whoever's coming out, I think you need to learn as much as you can learn about this. And when I say that, you need to learn as much as you can about the music, playing the music. You need to learn about structure of songs and stuff. Because a lot of times when you play playing R&B and b and you play playing jazz, jazz have a certain ruling, you know. You don't want this chord structure broken, or blah, this chord is broken. in uh, RB, you can just like free and play and play and play. But not only that about the music, you got to learn the history of the music. You got to learn the history because you can't go forward if you don't know what happened behind you, before you. So you got to know what happened before you. So that, and that, that's one of the things, you know, everybody needs to do their homework. They need to study the history. You know, when you're talking about R&B, contemporary music, and jazz, you just got to study the people that came before you.
0: And that's why.
1: I I know a
0: lot of uh, musicians will pick a particular musician to actually uh, be drawn to. So uh, having a style like uh, Parker or Stitt or any other horn players out there, Right. For the for the young musicians that that's not really exposed to that, right. uh, they may not have that that mentorship to go in that direction. Right. And what uh, so so basically, what could you tell them? Uh, you know, now that we're we're here uh, and airing this, what could you actually tell them that's going to be easy and simple enough for them to find uh, an artist to do that with and. Uh, I know, do you, do you uh,
1: teach right now, y'all, you, uh, you teaching private, yeah, I, I, no. I still teach, as a Sorry. matter of fact, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you asked that. I still teach. I teach a little bit, and I, I received my uh, music degree from Prairie View A&M University of Texas. And I do teach, uh, oh, but not in a school setting, but private lessons. I do right. have that I do so,
0: teach. Okay. So you, and your students, most of them are directed through the straight ahead or the no, much actually, fundamentals?
1: Actually, it, it's more so geared to like concert symphonic type music. Uh, it's kids that's in high school that needs to learn about how to play this song. And most of the time they're, they're doing school work. So it's that type of deal. I don't really have anybody that's really under my wing that I'm just putting out that teaching, you know, as far as a protege or something like that. Okay. Well, if uh,
0: if if we could probably get you to uh, elaborate a little bit more. You know, I reached out to uh, the person about doing one of these interviews.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: the thing was, he did not have uh, a setup, you know, for me to do it. So I told him, you know, right. as soon as he could get it, you know, just to allow me to, you know, to know when he's going to get it so we can right, set right.
2: this thing
0: up, you know. Uh, right. and, I, and I found out, really, there were a lot of musicians that didn't have it. I was kind of surprised about that. Right. Uh, and, but I'm pretty sure this year they will they will definitely probably be more involved in this simply because uh, I don't think the pandemic's going anywhere.
1: Uh, right. And so you
0: have to adjust. You know, you got to change and everything.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. So,
0: and uh, Now, as far as... Um, can you kind of tell us about your experience with the with the jazz community as far as you know the direction? Do you think that we've kind of lost the, the, the heritage or the culture of the jazz in this in right now here or
1: anywhere else? You know. Yeah, you know. I, you know, right now the way I look at it is um, there's so many different. Uh, type music now that everybody's really doing something different. It's not like it used to be where you had country, rock, and jazz and stuff like that. But now it's just so much. You got a whole lot of alternative music. It's a lot of people making a lot of money on alternative music that you don't even understand that may only have one change in the whole song, but but they're making a whole lot of money. Um, I don't think we got the outlets that we used to have, as far as getting musicians out there to learn how to do certain things. And when I say that, I mean, we used to have jam sessions. We used to have jam, there was a place here in Atlanta, it was called 200 South. And if you walk in 200 South, you better be ready. It was 200 South we had. uh, We had Busters on Candler Road. Uh, Matter of fact, Tommy Stewart used to play in Busted on Candler Road. And we had the Beacon Lines, we had the Royal Peacock, we had Pals. We had the uh, 316, it it was a lot of places that we, outlet that we have, that we had then, but I really don't see a whole lot right now. And during this pandemic, it really is nothing. Right, and and that's the
0: basically, uh, I've been talking to musicians that all over the country about how a lot of their venues are are closing up simply because you A, they weren't prepared for this, and be that the support for let's say jazz was was so limited anyway you right. know uh they just seem to uh, be in that situation to where they are not quite sure what they're they're gonna do you know what I'm right. even, even knowing that uh, a lot of the venues won't be there you know let's say right. by right. the end by the end of february maybe you know and that soon and so as a as a mu- as a musician and and myself that has an organization which is jazz matters what we try to do is if you try to continue the platform right uh, uh we were we were doing of course live events you know before the pandemic and when the pandemic right. hit we had to basically um, retool ourselves to go into a virtual world right, uh, right. we are trying to we're putting together things you know, for that uh, situation because we know that it's going to be here for a minute. And, right. uh, but the thing is, I'm trying, that's why I'm trying to keep as many musicians, you know, on tap with us for to allow them to follow us because right. there are things that we are doing and, and we'd like to hear from them to give them, to continue to give them that pl- platform. Right. And, and uh, it's probably going to be a, a, a minute, but uh, we still, you uh, in the the business, you can always go to uh, yesjazzmatters.org and you can learn all about the business. Mm -hmm. And when you go through there, you know, you can always, uh, we have donations, uh, we take donations because we're 501c3. Right. And and we have, uh, of course, our uh, uh, staff and so forth. But the main thing is our platform, you are still able to communicate with us right work. and as far as uh like yourself mm-hmm. uh i know that um i know that you have some other things that you do you know outside of music which is uh you
1: had to bring music. that up didn't
0: you yeah i had to you know because i i know that uh that would be interesting you know to, to let us know about this uh davy so you can kind of tell them what's okay
1: the bottom line is i am a professional bass fisherman I fish the FLW tour, the Bassmaster Tour. I fish most of the time that I make my money by fishing, believe it or not. I know it's hard, but Yeah, I mean it's not hard for me because I'm I mean I'm from, from from the coast. I'm right there on
0: the Atlantic Ocean. I know all about fishing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not hard for me. Yeah, and I see it got all your plaques on the wall back there and everything. Yeah. Along with your horn. But now when when it, uh getting back to uh, the music. Uh, is there any, uh, any preference uh, that you would uh, deal with as far as, you know, you communicating or what you do to the people? In other words, are you going to put this new project you got? Is it going to be in a particular genre? Is it going to be eclectic or, or what?
1: No, actually, you know what I'm working on now—the the the, the, uh, uh, the project that I'm working on now is really is leaning towards straight-ahead contemporary. So you're gonna get a mix. You're gonna get a collaboration of a straight-ahead and, and you're gonna get contemporary. So, because my thing is when I when, when I put something down, and I don't really think that I have really a whole lot to offer right now. But since we've been in this pandemic it gives me a time, it give me a little chance to kind of put some stuff on paper and just see what happens. But uh, I don't think I got a whole lot to offer, but once I get it down and get a piano player to lay the chords out and everything, and uh, then I'm gonna just take it for there, man, you know? Because I, I, would love, I would love for it to be just straight ahead all the way, but I know a lot of times you get, <clears throat> and I know a lot of times you just straight ahead just doesn't sell it doesn't fit it doesn't give you what you want because right now, I, I, I think as far as straight ahead, we got a small audience for straight ahead right now. Uh, most people, uh, they want something to dance to, to pat their feet to, and a lot of people just don't understand the music right now. So a lot of times you have to just kind of do something a little bit different, you know? So mm, that's where I'm at right now. now. Now, in your opinion, you were talking about
0: the actual audience. Uh, what do you think caused that? Because there was a at a point, uh, and by you naming some of those places that you named, like Carousel and so forth, those audiences were relatively uh, consistent. They were supportive, and they were relatively large audiences. Uh, as a matter of fact, around town, you know, like you said, there were a lot of venues, so right. the, the support for it was there. But what, what, what in your opinion do you think caused it to drop so uh, fast and so quickly?
1: I think I think we need to start looking at um, uh, people getting older, uh, there's a new generation, you got the millennials, they coming up and they listen to a different type of music. And most of the people that was out there in the audience then, you know, they are dying off. You got the you got the club owners, you got a whole lot of club owners. Now, this is this is true. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna say it. there's a whole lot of club owners that owns these clubs, and a lot of times they go out of business because what they do to the musicians? The musicians, we get out there, we we play, we play, we play. As far as the straight ahead, they don't want to pay us what we what what we worth. And and I, it just it just sad, man. And um, yeah, you know, I I I just don't see it because when you start looking at straight ahead musician, we put in more time in the craft than anybody, as than any music. Cause you can take a straight ahead musician jazz musician. We can play classical, we can play R&B, we can do it all. But you take the classical, and I got a classical player that lives right across the street from me, and he asked me all the time, how do you know? He asked me. He said, how? He can't figure it out how that we can play through the changes and everything. He just can't figure it out. And he's a classical player. He's played with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra, and he lived right across the street from me. Mm.
0: Well, see, the mm. thing is about
1: that, that I could, I could. Uh,
0: understand where he is. Uh, those that do classical, uh, they are disciplined to the sheet music, the print. Mm-hmm. Uh, their improvisation is already written in for them, so they don't really have to think about it. They just basically have to play it, you know. Right. Uh, whereas when you're looking at the jazz musician, the jazz musician's uh, uh, improvisation is in the air. It is right. not, it is not something that's written down immediately and, and is set in stone. It is something that changes every day, just like the weather. Right. So right. For, for him yeah. to basically, you know, ask you those kind of questions, you basically have to tell him the next time say it ain't yeah. nothing but soul. Now, am I yeah. right? Right. Oh,
1: I'm glad <laughs> you said
0: that. But that's what that's Vaughn's word. I stole that from him.
1: Vaughn. That's <laughs> it. I gotta talk to Vaughn. I gotta tell you this, Von. You hear me, Bud? I'm, I'm listening. Go ahead. Listen to me. Okay. All right. So I was a straight ahead. And I'm still a straight ahead player. But you know what, Bud? Mm-hmm. I had to condition myself to not play so technically. You know, because most of us jazz musicians, when we get around other jazz musicians, we play, you know, we play straight ahead. But the thing about right. it, the audience, right. the, the audience is not hearing it. So you got to pick out the notes that's in there that's going to produce the most tension. And when you produce those notes that's in there, in that chord change that produce the most tension, then people start patting their feet. That's oh, Lord, he's playing with a lot of soul. So you got to play with soul.
2: Yeah, that's it.
1: You got to play, play from the heart. You got to play from the heart. You can't play go. from uh-huh. the head. When you play from yeah. the head, you're going to start playing technically. And people are going to hear you. Yeah. They gonna oh, he sounds like he's
2: thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't preach you now. Said you said it. You You know what. The, you know what it is. You know what it is. I mean, you know, um, it's 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 it makes me feel good in my spirit to know that we're connect. We're connected like that. Because oh, yeah. I, I am not. You know, I try not to put parameters on the sound of the music that I play on my radio show. Right. Because I play it for strictly the soul of the music. Yes, and and I try, and I've I've gotten to the point where I listen to the song that I'm currently playing and and think about a song that could come behind it and have that same feeling, right? Because it's coming from the soul, and right. that mix when it happens, oh my gosh, it's right, <laughs> it's, it's right on time, that's it's right. right on time. That's right, and bro. so you know um, that's why you know I I, I often find myself in those moments when I'm at home and my head is constantly churning and it tunes and you know when you talked about you know me being in radio when you talked about you know what you where you're leaning toward something contemporary and something in a straight ahead way that sounds like early Grover Washington Jr to me absolutely you know, that's, what it, that's what it sounds like to me and absolutely. so you might be on a, a special track because most most of the guys that are out there doing smooth have 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 drifted away from that style, you know. Right. But Grover was like like he he changed the game, yeah. you know, on, on, on when he first started playing. And yeah. so I'm like, do your thing, man. Do yeah. your thing. And
1: and I'm glad you said that, Vaughn, because a lot of times when Grover was playing, Grover was actually playing that smooth groove, but then you'll listen to him, you say, Oh man, listen, this kid this cat playing uh de- babo ba-ba-ba, You start hearing <laughs> them demented self yeah. patterns in there. I mean he will run that yeah. stuff, man. He
2: will run that stuff. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, you know am and- I'm, I'm, I'm I'm convinced that you're on the right track. You're on the right track.
0: I appreciate that. So, out of uh, a lot of those players like you mentioned Grover and so forth uh, what are what are some who are some of the cats that you listen to that are actually the smooth jazz players but you know that they are actually uh, coming over to the smooth jazz
1: side okay and I, I, I'm glad I'm glad you asked that question too because uh, we talking about Jer- I, I love Gerald Albright Jill Albright and I love uh, Nigie. As a long, as a long history with Nigie when I was a young kid, Nigie told me something. Nigie was playing with somebody. He said when he finished that gig, he was gonna pass it on to me, and I'm still waiting on that gig now.
0: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, don't hold your
1: breath now. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, it, it, it was a funny thing. It was a funny thing. As a young kid, I was trying to get out there playing with a lot of people, and I played with a lot of people in my lifetime. You know, um, you know, like I say, you, one story that I'm gonna say, I don't know if I mentioned it or not. I played a festival here in Atlanta, and uh, Tony Braxton was on there. They had sold they had jaded but I ended up opening for Jimmy Heath. And the mm. funny thing, the funny thing about opening up for Jimmy Heath. Jimmy Heath and I was talking behind stage. So we talked for a long time. And I went out there and played. And uh when Jimmy Heath came out there and played, he fell out. He he had a stroke on stage.
0: Oh, had,
1: my. He had a heat stroke. Mm. And that happened here in Atlanta. And mm. didn't want to make light of the situation. So uh, One musicians, sometimes we talk trash, you know. God bless, you know, Jimmy. He, you know, we wasn't trying to make nothing out of it. But I, I was telling the guy, I said, you know what? Jimmy, he couldn't even come behind me. I had so much heat on that stage when I finished playing. You uh, know, but, you know, it was just a little thing, but, you know. But yeah. well, that, that's, yeah. that's
0: strange that you even mentioned uh, uh, what happened to him uh, at that particular time. Because yeah. you earlier, you had mentioned something about. Uh, great Seal Austin. Right. And, and I'm going to tell you a little story about him. He, uh, I was doing a gig during the Christmas holiday. And uh, uh, the week, as a matter of fact, uh, it was just before New Year's. And we were going to do New Year's Eve. But what happened was uh, he had just gotten his Mark VII uh, right And, uh, and he, was like, he was like, he was really proud of that thing. So he got out there and he started playing so the next weekend, of course, New we Year's weekend, he was uh, they were playing again, and mm-hmm. and uh, he did kind of the same thing. He got up to play and everything, but you know after mm. that's when he had his stroke. But of course, you know he passed away from years. Yeah, you right. know what I'm saying uh, that night, and that was the last thing I could remember about him. you know was, mm. Uh wow. As a matter of fact. Um, it's, it's kind of strange how um, all those cats, you know, even though he was, you know, warned, and see, we didn't know that he was, uh, right. You know, doc, doctors had told him, you know, he didn't really need to go out and right. play, but, you know, that musician thing in you would make you hard hit. Oh, and, yeah. And and you your, your urge to play is stronger than your will sometimes, you know what right. I'm saying? And, and that's what happens, you know, to certain people like that, especially when they get you know up in age you know yes yeah. uh cer- certain circumstances are are really not really suitable for them. yeah
1: you know?
0: uh, but yeah. that's how that goes but uh you also mentioned earlier tommy stewart Tommy Stewart. So I, I i talked to tommy uh last year uh actually before before thanksgiving uh right. so it was i think it was around october but
2: mm-hmm.
0: but tommy's still doing well uh, he's still sharp, you know. Sharp is Uh He he does have a few health issues, but for the most part, uh, I reached out to him also to do mm. this, and he's one of those guys who told me he would get it set up so that we can do this. Right. Yeah. But Tommy was mm. a great between Tommy and Rod Smith over yes. there over there at Morehouse College. Uh, yeah. They they really had it going on. At, at, oh yeah. in, those, in those days, you know. Yeah. And uh it's, it's kind of a, a good uh thing to hear uh musicians here that actually right. acknowledge those people for who they were and what influences yeah. they had on their lives, you know. Yeah. Uh what was one of those um, I know that Rod Smith, you know, had had to have an influence on your life if you had to <laughs> had to basically
1: alter your way of thinking, you know if i yeah. while you was in the room, you know. Right. but right. Let me tell you something. It's funny thing about it, man. He used to come to my show. I had the show down at the uh, Carousel Lounge, Hotel. But I was him. But I would see him right because I really was trying to play outside the circle because they only had certain saxophone players that was heavyweight, Dub Hudson, uh, Joe Jennings, uh, 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 Mister Fantasy. They had certain saxophone players. They get all the gigs. So I had to try to get gigs around these suckers. I was not. So <laughs> yeah, that's so right so Rod Smith, Rod Smith had the gig. Rod Smith had the gig at a place called Jeff Jazz. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he had a gig at a place called Jeff Jazz. It had uh Johnny O'Neill was playing piano at that time. Right. And uh I can remember Rod said, come up and play. I said I I told Johnny. Johnny man, oh no, oh no. You know what Johnny told me? He said, play it from your heart and you'll get him. That's what he told me. <laughs>
2: ah. <laughs> hey,
1: that's that's strange. I just I just
0: saw Johnny uh doing a a, a small uh concert uh, online. Uh, really uh this just, just this past week. Yeah, he had this trio up there and it, it mm. sounded good as usual, you know. Yeah uh, yeah Johnny was a fantastic player, well still is a fantastic still is. player. you know. Yeah, uh, I think he was the actual person in the movie "Rape" that yes. was doing the uh, Art Tatum sketch.
2: Right, Ray. right. He was actually right. and
0: playing and doing that thing. He was just a real. I mean, he's just a right. real talented musician. Uh, some of those other, uh, uh, as far as your history uh, working around Atlanta, was there mm-hmm. any place uh, that uh, or any uh, venues that you know that you know, performing, but help build your, your your repertoire of what you uh,
1: I think um, you know during the time that uh, I was hanging pretty much with Doug Hudson a lot. I was hanging with him. Everybody thought that he was my father, so I used to go with it. I said, "Yeah, that's my dad," but I couldn't play like him. But I never did really want to play like him because the way he played. I mean. I couldn't, even, I couldn't even play that style. Let me just put it like that. And uh, I used to hang at a place uh, back in the day called uh, Dante Down the Hatch. It was at Underground Atlanta. Uh, matter of fact, there was another club down there that a guy named Piano Red was playing there. He was uh, kind of down yeah. down in the alley. So uh, I would hang out with Dub Hudson. And so Dub Hudson would play. And we had a bass player, man. I can never forget this bass player. He was so friendly to me. He played, uh, his name was Langman Jackson. So uh, Langman Jackson, All at the end of the gig, man, I used to, I wasn't on the gig, but I used to ride with them just to see where they was going. And we used to go from there, we'll go to Lincoln, uh, uh, it used to be a place called Lincoln Ballroom. We would go to the Lincoln Ballroom, man, I was hanging out with these guys, man. I was trying to absorb all the knowledge from these guys. I, I wanted to be like these guys. And so that's why I hung around them, man.
0: Yeah, because, because Layman, you mentioned Lehman Jackson, who's a great bass player here, great legacy he left here. Um, he was, um, he also was the guy, believe it or not, that was working with Donald Byrd. Uh, right. When, uh, he was, uh, as a matter of fact, he went to, uh, Donald Byrd had him go to Philadelphia to pick up the young keyboard player that he was mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, so he told Lehman to go pick him up down there at the train station, you know. Right. So when Lehman got there, uh, he picked up the young piano player and mm-hmm. took it back and over to where Henry Dalberg was. Now, the young right. piano player was Herbie Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, just to show you where Lehman has crossed paths with so many greats. Right. I mean, Miles and everybody else. You know? yeah. And And he was, uh, like I said, he was a definitely. Uh, of a base in town here. Oh that yeah. Was, uh, that was definitely uh, uh, he was basically an institution when it came to that.
2: Yeah, uh, because we and, didn't have
1: many base players here. Yeah. We yeah. had a few, but we didn't have many. Right,
0: and, and the only other, and he's the actual the only one I think that ever uh, that was playing in situations with the Giants that you know right. I mean in the world you know right. Great. And uh, I remember. Uh, uh, when he uh he passed i was on the road and when i came back to town uh i, I found out he had passed i came back to town i was in texas at the time and uh i went to his uh i wasn't able to go to the, the, the funeral but I, I did get a chance to get to the wake, you know that, that and everything. so when i got back uh, the musicians that he was working with you know with john and so forth they uh they needed a bass player. Uh, right. and I told them, I, well, I couldn't do it right then because I was on the road. But when I get back, you know what I'm saying? Right. Know, they still need a bass player, and I'll be here. So by the time I got back, then what happened was, uh, of course, they were playing the Dante's right uh, down in the underground. Uh-huh. And so I went down there, and I thought for a weekend. But that weekend turned into 23 years. Oh, really? Yeah. So the whole deal oh, is uh, all the way up through the closing. So the thing is, uh, I worked down there with them. Then I also, so I, barely, to them.
1: so I barely miss
0: you. You barely miss me. Yeah, but that came
1: after,
0: <laughs> you know, that came after, yeah. But the thing is, uh, I think that if, uh, if, you, if you look at it, those were places that we could play as musicians. And, and at the same time, leave those places. Right. And still play in other places that had jam sessions and so forth. Right. That were more R&D based. Right. You know? And that was the, the, the great thing you could do as a musician because it, it helped help you uh, communicate on both sides of the fence. Uh, and in my case, uh, right. of course, a lot of people thought that I only did jazz. You know? Right. And I'm like, no. So I started going to places where rhythm blues was played. Right and, and and I would set in with the living News Cat and got to know that whole community at the time. Right. So that kept me uh, working, you know, and everything. Now, today, uh, in your opinion, mm-hmm. uh, what do you see there? I mean, I know it's not, you don't have as many venues, right. but we also don't have as many uh, organized uh, uh, groups. You know, there are a lot of people that home studio stuff and right. they put out a product on it uh, as far as the, uh, uh, they put a product out like a CD or something Right, but as a working band mm-hmm. I haven't really seen Now you might have because you, you're still out there and you're still moving but mm-hmm. I haven't seen any uh, any bands that you can call you know what I'm saying on as, as, uh, as a working band that you follow you know right. So, uh, you tell me basically what's happening, uh, or do you see that on your end? Because I know that you do a lot of moving around and so
1: forth. Yeah. Well, actually, it, it, that's a good question because you know I take, for instance, the band that I played with this past weekend. Um, this young lady, she got plenty of CDs. Matter of fact, her name is Latanya Sugarlip Shield. Matter of fact, she had a husband who used to be a blues player. Uh, I think he did work with Aretha Franklin. His name was Mutt Bone Turner or something like that. He was a blues player. But uh, even with her band, every time I play with her, it's different musician. It's never the regular band. So it's nowadays, even, even when you and I play together, it's never the – Same personnel, it's always different people in that band. So you don't never get, you don't never really get the feel where, I can remember back in the day when I used to play with a group and we opened up for Parliament Funkadelic, and I was in the 11th grade, a band called Public Funk. We had the same personnel, it never did change, but nowadays you don't get that no more. It's like everybody is a hard gun. And we just don't mm-hmm. I mean the band is just not together no more like it used to be. Right. I don't and, see that. Right. Uh, yeah. See I've
0: seen that also. I've i witnessed that all the time uh where you know you hired to do uh put things together and but there are no, no really bands that actually have created a particular sound. Right. Uh, and, and I was talking to uh this has been uh in twenty in twenty eighteen. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, the late, late uh, Yovito Scott, percussionist, drummer. Mm. And yeah. We were talking. Yo, about, who that? Uh, Scott. I tell you some story
1: Scott. about Rico, man.
0: But I don't want to hear that. You know what <laughs> i But 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 we were talking about uh, uh, doing just that. Uh, in other words, right. putting a band together that had, first of all, had history as musicians individually. But right. to create a history as musicians that have a particular sound. Like for instance, nowadays all you hear about the snarky puppy. You hear about all the different you know large bands that's out there doing pretty much right. commercial stuff, uh quote unquote right. uh I guess you would call it what would you call it? Bond uh
2: do Neo Jazz or whatever that they do or neo soul. Well, it's 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 a hybrid of Smooth and a contemporary sound, you know. They, you know, Snarky Puppy is uh, to me. It's like that sound that CTI was doing with Don right. Sebesky and and uh, uh, David Matthews and all those cats like Bob James, you right. know, where they would get a whole comra, uh, a, you know, camaraderie of musicians out of the city. And I think a lot of that stuff was done in New York anyway you know Mm. uh the Steve Gads and the Grover Washington Juniors the right you know the the Gary Davis's and things like that you know Bill Reichenbach those horn players that they had oh um, yeah how he over-extremes into that sound you know you know these composers that would write these huge compositions and that's what I I kind of gathered with Starkey Puppy that's what they kind of tapped into um yeah, but, but they are to do a, a, a plethora of things. They they do a great bit of fusion as well. Yeah, but but you know, they're like, not but they are the same thing.
0: You see, yeah, I, you know, know what I'm saying? They, it's they, like they've they, been they together a really while. Rotate,
2: right. You know, yeah. It's really a yeah, rotation. Yeah, but
0: but no nowadays everybody's like an independent musician, so to say. Right. Yeah. And they got their own thing, but realistically they don't have their own thing. Right. Because you have you have, to, you have to look at it like this. Uh, when you see them, of course, like you were saying earlier, uh, David, uh, every time we even work together, they're different personnel. Right. You know? and, and, and it's kind of hard to, uh, uh, I mean, of course, we get over for the night simply because of musicianship. But as far as something or a group that you want to follow and so forth, right. that would be lacking here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I know that, um, uh, do you see that? in the in in the very near future because the future is now here. So I mean do you see that coming
1: back anytime? Well I, I think it may come back, but I really doesn't think it's gonna come back as far as on the jazz thing. I think there will be some R and B band who's gonna lock it in and they will be one group. And they're gonna try to make it as one group and they will not bring any outsiders. But as far as um the uh, straight ahead jazz and and the smooth jazz, I don't see that happening because a lot of times the musicians we're very hungry. So we're trying to work with whoever we can work with at any given time. So a lot of times you just can't get your personnel. And and that's what I see right now. Yeah. Well
0: that's that that's about that's Pretty much where it is, um, and and like I said, you know, it's always a situation uh, to where you know we, we need, first of all the venue to actually make it happen, right? Uh, just like you were saying earlier, uh, uh, Davy, that there were many venues for us to actually, uh, you know, sharpen our tools, so to say, right? Uh, to, yes, to, to to hone our crafts and stuff. Uh, that was one of the things that I had uh, in mind. Putting together jazz matters, right? They're putting a place of uh, to give musicians the platform to do just that. If they, right. if they were even experimenting with certain things, just musicians or or even okay. other instrumentalists, vocalists or whatever, right? The platform will be there for them to do that. You know, right? Uh, uh, that's one of our our goals that we have now. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 and that's the that's good that out thing. There. Yeah. You, you want to put it out there for letting them you know that this platform is your platform. And yeah. if, you, if, if you need to to, to create and, and become a better musician or a better right. singer, we have right. su- we have support right. that we can offer you in those areas. Right. So, like I said, you can always go to the uh, website, uh, yesjazzmatters.org. And you can read all about it you'll see that that is also in our uh, uh you know that is that's is, uh, one of our biggest force drivers or motives for you right you know so mm-hmm. so in the meantime uh, so looking at looking forward mm-hmm. like that, looking forward, uh, forward uh are, are you going to do any traveling uh or are you pretty much going to try to uh you know,
1: stay uh, regional? Well, that's kind of hard to say right now because with this pandemic, you know, we just can't make plans. Um, There was a guy that uh, this past Saturday, he's a, he's a a vocalist and he's going to be in California in three weeks. And he asked me, will I play sax for him? And I said, yeah, just send me the information and, uh, but I don't know if that's gonna pan out or not. So I panned out or not. So I don't know if it's gonna happen or not. But with this pandemic, you can't do a whole lot of traveling. You kind of just kind of have just stay fast, you know. Right now, you know, we can't do a whole lot, man. But you know, my thing is now I got. I feel, I am pretty much in my life. I feel. Uh, I don't know what's the world I'm looking for. I feel like I have accomplished what I need to accomplish because I've got to play with a whole bunch of good people. You know, I feel like to walk, even to walk on stage with you, Mr. Wade, I, I felt like, you know, hey, man, I got to show this guy something. That's how I feel. When I walk on stage and I know these cats are hot, yeah, I'm coming for you. And that's how I feel, man. And I feel... Like, I've reached that point where people call me to do gigs, and I feel good about it, man. I feel real happy about stuff like that. But as far as traveling, I don't know right now, man. But right now, I'm in a point in my life where I don't know. I could walk – honestly, I could walk away from music right now and go ahead and continue to fish on the tournament trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. that's, that's,
0: well, see. That's, that's, that's it. A lot of musicians uh, don't have that luxury. A lot of them, are, you know, you know how we, as musicians, are. We, you know, the music is first, right. Uh, and you're not thinking about what if. You know what I'm saying, right. So, so, but in this this particular situation, is something that musicians have never experienced, right. As far as oh, yeah. I know, so those that are caught out, so to say, in the cold, uh, right. are the ones that that nine times out of ten. Uh, might have been in those situations where uh, they were playing, but the only problem is they were going from day to day, you know?
1: right? And, yeah.
0: and and they really didn't have an organized organized situation uh, yeah. that they could deal with or depend on. Right. So, uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a kind of a, a pretty bumpy road by the time right. the summer by the time summer gets here, and. Uh, Oh, incidentally, uh, so how was your holidays? Oh, my holidays uh, were great. And yours? Oh, man, they were quick, easy, and gone, you know?
1: Uh, how did you come
0: out <laughs>
2: going for your holidays? Uh, well, we quarantined with family. OK. You know? OK. That's okay. In <laughs> laws and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was pretty nice. Right. And, uh, and, you know, family, you can't beat family these days, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. Beat, Man, you know,
1: Von, Von, I'm gonna tell you this. I, I know we're running out of time, but I got mm-hmm. so much stuff I could tell you that will really blow your mind. Man, go I ahead mean, and talk. I, I'm, I'm gonna leave the floor open right now. You go no, ahead, and let no, it go. no, leave it. Stop. I can tell you stories when, when I was coming up and uh playing. I can remember the years 1988, 1989. I was hanging, I was living in a place called Camp Creek, that was an apartment. And my next-door name was a guy named Russ, right? And come to find mm-hmm. out, it was Russell Malone. But the story Russell was never
2: Malone. Because... <laughs> uh-uh. look what Russell Malone. Look what, look what Russell Malone's doing now. Yeah, <laughs> that was man.
1: But you know what's funny? Me and, him, me and him went to sessions together before he got with Ben I Carter. Can believe,
2: I can believe that. I can believe yeah. that.
1: <laughs> and the funny thing about it we lived in some apartments off of camp creek parkway man we lived in yeah, some apartments yeah. man and we used to we used to hang out but i didn't never think he because i didn't never think he was going to take you to that level and he did no,
0: that's that's an interesting and i am tell, tell you something
1: now. i'm gonna tell you something now and i don't, don't nobody never speak about this his, his name ain't russell malone
0: right exactly <laughs> very, few, very,
1: very few people
0: know that. You know yeah, very, few people know, very that. few
1: people know that. Very
0: few people know that. As a matter of fact, see, I, I met Russell uh, when he first got to town, and uh, he was working at a place called Zaire. Yeah. Uh, Zare has since, uh, uh, right there off of, uh, what was it, uh, Jonesboro Road. Yeah. Uh, that's the building that the Home Depot is in now. Right, right, that's where, right. That, that's where Russell was working. He was doing the inventory.
1: You know?
0: Yeah, and and, and and but he told me he played guitar, and so I got with him and we started playing. I, I was taking him to all these different clubs, you know, around town. Yeah, and everybody was like, "Who the heck is this?" You know, what I mean? right? And uh, but yeah, but yeah, we go back quite a ways as far as that goes, you know. And, oh, yeah, uh, but Russell's is a funny guy. You know, he is man. He's a he's a clown all the time. You know, yeah. Now when he's playing his guitar, he's real serious, but trust right. me, he is a clown. But there but there are a lot of guys uh that came through that you know I know you bumped into uh yeah. in your in your in your uh, in your whole in your career, so to say. Well you know so, who I
1: used to play with for a whole year? was that? I was on the road with Steve Ellington. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: I was with Steve for about yeah. a year on the road. Yeah, man, oh uh, Steve was something else. You
0: know? Steve <laughs> <laughs> was something else, man. But a great drummer, you know. Great drummer,
1: yeah. Great drummer,
0: Yeah, uh, I think the last person he worked with was uh, Hal Galper. Yeah. And uh, he, he, but he's done work with, um, of course, Sonny Rollins. And like that. Right. You know, he's done a lot of done a lot of work. But I think oh, the last right. last gig was uh, Hal Galper, and um, uh, he played with Hal. I think. I was thinking back in the 80s, a couple of albums uh, that he worked with Hell on. He worked with a lot of people. Yeah, he did. Uh, it's almost too many to mention. But yeah. he was he was definitely a different brother. Yeah. But he, but he had a lot of knowledge. And trust yeah. me, there was no other drummer that would walk up on him, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I was on the road with him. I, can, I guarantee you every club venue that we played, he let everybody know. I'm the great-grandnephew of uh, Duke Ellington, and and he had like 20 albums under his arm. He would walk around the venue, the club, and let people see his albums and
0: stuff. That, right. was that, that was crazy. Yeah, that was weird, man. It was funny. But, uh, <laughs> but, but David, weird. He, uh, yeah. what was the, uh, is there any way, uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, do you have a website or? Something where they can connect with you to get in touch well, with you.
1: Well, actually, I don't have a website, but uh, if anybody want to reach me, you can reach me at dreamjazz at, okay, okay. at iCloud.com.
0: dreamjazz at iCloud. at iCloud.com. Okay. That's it. That'll work. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. That'll work. Okay, Bond, we, uh, we, you know, time's up, so Bond, give them the uh, – hey.
2: It's, it's 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 very easy you know you can find me at this place over my head i'm a pointer let me see if i got the right finger here okay. <laughs> jazz beats radio okay um and i my show is called soulscapes okay so you know that's the everything i do has soul in it so you yeah, know you about, feel bro. it home. That's what it's about. You know, I I, I can't, every time I, I come to the conclusion, Betty Carter said it right. Jazz yeah. ain't nothing but soul. People ain't nothing, not soul, at ain't nothing <laughs> but soul, man. Ain't nothing but soul. Right, so you, know, you, can, you And can. so uh, I just know that, uh, you know, it's all about the culture with me. It's all about yeah. the culture. You know, the yeah. culture, the lifestyle, the language, the way we yeah. do stuff, you know, it's all blended in right there together. And yeah. Jazz Beats Radio is the radio station you can get, yeah. find me, uh, go to the webpage, jazzbeatsradio.com. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I'm starting to really move this ball forward, and uh, my show is going to run on uh, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Okay. Uh, and then I do a live broadcast Saturdays and Sundays from 12 yeah. noon to 4. Yeah. So you can catch me there live um, yeah. at, at the radio station from to yeah. 4 on Saturdays and Sundays. Man, I I really appreciate
1: you guys, man. Von, I appreciate you. I love you like a brother. You know, Edwin, yeah, I goodness. appreciate it, man. I'm and a I now. That's that's no problem. You know, that's, to a lot of
2: I got a whole cadre of brothers in this in the jazz world now, thanks to this brother right here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's because
1: the link is there, and I thank you very much, the Edwin. You there. know. I, Edwin, I know that, you know, we fight on stage, but I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, man. I really appreciate it, man. All right. Yeah,
0: we, we made sure we took the gloves off now. And, uh, oh. <laughs> so, so so nobody won't get hurt,
1: you know. That's right. There
0: you, there you go. But you can always uh, uh, go to uh, yesjazzmatters.org and you can learn all about uh, Jazz Matters uh, uh, as an organization. We also take donations to 501c3 Uh, Our mission is to basically preserve the culture of jazz and the history of jazz. We also uh, have a a jazz matters store where you can actually buy, uh, purchase uh, different items, you know, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, mugs, uh, whatever is there. But just go to yesjazzmatters.org and you can go and and, uh, basically seek out all those different uh, over there at the Jazz Matters uh, store. Uh, so, Davey, man, thanks for, for showing up. And, no doubt. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, do another one, uh, Jazz Beats Radio. Thanks oh, for yeah. showing up, Vaughn. appreciate uh, it. That's it for us today. All right. Peace out, brothers. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Goodbye. Yes, sir.